0: night jams good morning everybody it's your girl super Cindy and we are here welcome to community matters and you know I'm here today and she won in the category of community service I have miss Jasmine D Shirley good morning Jasmine good morning
1: Cindy thank you for having me <laughs>
0: no worries at all you deserve this and so much more
1: <laughs> thank you thank you very much
0: so let me get a little bit of um background information are you are you from South Florida, born and raised. Like, tell us a little bit. What was your occupation? Like, give us a little bit of history about yourself.
1: Yes, I'm a miracle baby. I was born and raised in Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. I was actually born in Miami. I am a um, survivor. Wow. Uh, Meaning that I was a premature infant born 26 weeks. Jackson Memorial Hospital was the closest hospital to us in the state of Florida at that time only had three Mm. NICUs. So I was born in Jackson. My dad had to rush us down uh, to Jackson Memorial back in, uh, I won't say the year, (laughs) but um, they were one of the three NICUs operating in the state of Florida when I was born.
0: Wait, so you're saying 26 weeks early. That's how many, uh, so how many months pregnant was your mom?
1: 26 weeks.
0: Oh my God. Yes. So you are a miracle I'm baby. I'm a miracle baby born
1: to Dr. Calvin Hilton Shirley, the first black OBGYN specialist in Broward County. Yes. And my mother, his wife, Jeanette Shirley. Uh, she was also a registered nurse and the one who not only gave me life, but nurtured me and I survived.
0: Wow. So your dad was an OBGYN? Yes.
1: I was the best marketing tool.
0: Hello. <laughs> <laughs> he had faith after that. I can really deliver any baby in the world. Yes, that was
1: quite a night. My parents always told me that uh, we didn't have the term- Pike or I-95 back then. Mm. So it was US-1 highway all the way from Fort Lauderdale to Jack's Memorial Hospital in, wow. in Miami on 16th Street. When he parked the car, got my mom out. And by the time he parked the car, got back to the hospital, inside the hospital, I was born. And wow. uh, he decided to name me Jasmine because that's the first scent that he smelled as a wind blew through that breeze of Jasmine air came through. And he said, that will be her name.
0: I just want to make a biopic about you. You deserve a movie made. That just little, that, <laughs> wait, just wait, forget. Get the Achievers Award and anything else. Just that little story right there is enough to write a book. You saw Michelle Obama's book is the best-selling biography in history. I think that little story right there deserves
1: that. Well, that's <laughs> something to think about now that I've retired. Um, yes. I was I retired uh, last year. Congratulations! Uh, yes, on that. thank you very much from Broward Health, which mm. um, North Broward Hospital District, which does br- uh, business as Broward Health. I was a senior VP of Community Health Services mm. uh, for seventeen years with North Broward Hospital District, which does business as of Broward Health. Um, prior to that, um, when I my first started my career here in Broward County, mm-hmm. I was an infectious disease epidemiologist for the State Department of Health, Broward County Health Department.
0: What does that do? What What does that job entail? So
1: that job entailed um, every single communicable disease or infectious disease that's reportable to the state of Florida by all physicians, hospitals, you name it, in terms of medical facilities and organizations. Mm-hmm. They have reporting requirements for a disease uh, certain diseases that are reportable by law. So
0: is that like if a flu epidemic comes yes. or mumps or so measles my job or was, chicken yes, pox?
1: any of those communicable diseases. My mm-hmm. job was to organize our efforts mm-hmm. in curtailing what could be an epidemic mm-hmm. as well as getting the reports made, following up on all of the persons who may have been exposed or impacted by that disease state, um, and then uh, ensuring that there are preventive measures in place to stop that epidemic or infection um, and doing all the reporting that's required of it, keeping us safe throughout our County in terms of communicable infectious diseases.
0: That's such an important job that I never even thought about that even existed. Like
1: oh, the best, it's like a disease detective. Mm. The best job I ever had. I learned so much. I met a lot of people, um, and then I watched Broward County grow over the years. I can tell you every nook and cranny and road before there was <laughs> such a road, especially since our 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 county has grown tremendously yeah. over the times.
0: And so let me ask you about that position that you held. If someone like came to a, a specific hospital and there was like two or three cases, do you guys immediately share those cases with the other hospitals in Dayton-Broward or how does that
1: work? That would depend. Mm-hmm. Um, I can give you an example of something. Um, back in, during my day, yes. uh, there was, let's say, um, something that could be a sensitive situation. Mm-hmm. Let's say Campylobacter, which is a, 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 a condition in which Bacteria Mm -hmm. uh, from stool, not washing hands, what have you, Mm. Um, and you can trans—you know—making food, transferring it that way to another person. Mm -hmm. Let's say one of those, one of one case broke out in a. A nursery okay. of a hospital, a NICU, mm-hmm. which that has happened, mm. um, and and then now you've got to take measures to make sure that there's no cross contamination to anyone else, especially if it's if the um, the, the the initial person mm-hmm. is one of the staff persons, a nurse or something caring for individuals. So you've got to make sure that you do your investigation such that you can curtail what's going on, get preventive measures and treatment in place for those that are impacted, and make sure that it doesn't spread any further.
0: That is like so gross, though, if you think about it. Like someone. Went to did a number two at the bathroom and didn't, didn't wash, really your hands, wash their which hands, which is why properly. it's so important. Gosh, that
1: hand washing is so important.
0: And then touch your baby. Oh my God, I would or cry. <laughs> make
1: food or, or any oh of those kinds gosh. of things that are known to transmit that bacteria into food and then someone ingests it, or um, just working on someone that, that you are able to transfer that bacteria or virus to someone else.
0: Did you follow the footsteps? Like, did, did your dad, being an OBGYN, kind of guide you in what field you wanted to fall into after high school like how did you make that decision
1: well I always had an interest in the in the sciences I mm-hmm. love science science mm-hmm. and math were my best okay um, my parents both of them in the medical field involved us in their work mm-hmm. um, so we were a family oriented uh, family anyway mm-hmm. in in pleasure and family and in business uh, so that was my my calling if you will mm-hmm. um, I loved loved being in that around people and just getting to know people and the science behind what was happening with them. That took me in then to college. I always wanted to be a physician Mm -hmm. since I didn't get into medical school Mm -hmm. my first year out. I took a graduate course and decided that I wanted to still stay in the field and went to the University of Miami after undergraduate school at the University of Florida Mm -hmm. um, and went into public health. Mm -hmm. And in public health, I got exposed to an infectious disease clinic down in Miami Mm -hmm. that really tweaked my interest in infectious disease. And so I decided to do epidemiology as, as my master' work with epidemiology and administration at the University of Miami in the College of Medicine at the University of Miami.
0: Oh, so you're like in the Jackson Health? The yes, hospital I was you in that whole, Yes, <laughs> it was
1: interesting to come back home and to start a whole new path.
0: <laughs> <it> all began. <laughs> yes, my first few
1: weeks mm-hmm. were in Jackson's NICU, and then I came back to get uh, further education. Graduated with my master's and took my very first job in public health with the Broward County Health Department.
0: Are there any stories that occurred throughout your career? that stand out, like something that we as a normal community person, like just a normal citizen, may not know that this may have happened or something? Like, was there a possible, like, what? Tell
1: us. (laughs) Several. I can give Mm. you several. Um, The ones that stand out for me most, I think that impacted the community and then my drive for HIV and AIDS at Mm -hmm. that time. Um, Back in 1983, we were in this epidemic now about two, three years, 79, 80 Eighty-three, mm. And I was responsible for all of the surveillance and the tracking, as well as the reporting for HIV cases. At that time, we called it HTLV3.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: we d- And we did not discover the virus then until 1984. Wow. So in 1985, there was, by that point, a test, a blood test that we could take for screening. Mm-hmm. Um, the a- HIV antibody test is what it's called now. Yes. Um, that was in 1985. So at that time, working on my surveillance efforts in Broward and getting to know a lot of the communities. That were impacted. I could see firsthand mm-hmm. how this particular virus was going to wreak havoc on our community. How it was spreading. Spreading, um, mm. exponentially spreading. Mm. Um, but there was that stigma. There was the underground not talking about it. Uh, there was fear. Mm-hmm. Um, families were in turmoil. People were in turmoil. People were, you know, were so concerned about losing their jobs, telling anybody. And, and there was, was no a, treatment at that time And as then well. it was
0: considered a gay disease. And and it was not. That was not. another, that exactly was another the, the myth that, which is
1: why so many communities were so far behind in getting themselves organized. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I realized putting all the data together. Since I knew and followed every single case, I knew every single case. Mm-hmm. I got together at that point um, with the medical examiner's office, uh, with various other persons uh, in the community that were playing leadership roles and getting coordination. Because there was not a, a lot of educational opportunities back then, mm-hmm. and said, "Let's all come together, unify as a community, so that." we can begin to tackle this. We can get the information out there, the education that's needed, the prevention services that we don't have. Let's you know gather the health departments, the medical professionals, the hospitals, community groups. There were no organizations at that time except for one that was even involved, like an aid service organization was yeah. called Center One at that time. Mm-hmm. And let's pull together a group of, of folks who, were, who would commit to this, these efforts to coordinate ourselves because we had no truly coordinated response that would be impactful. To the people who were impacted as well as their families and our community at large.
0: And is it true that, like, each lane was doing their own thing? Everybody and was doing saying. their own thing. And, and, you so know, it wasn't and if we all came
1: together to do a holistic mm-hmm. approach, we could not only save dollars and time and energy, mm-hmm. we could um, multiply our resources within each other as a whole and mm-hmm. begin to address systematically the disease itself, mm-hmm. um, the services and support services that might be needed, coordinating those efforts, not duplicating, mm-hmm. and just coming together as a community for once to address an issue that impacts all of us. We could also dispel the myths that were across various communities, across the gay community, across the African-American community, across the Hispanic community. We all needed to come together. Yeah. And we were able to do so. We formalized then um, what was called the South Florida AIDS Network of Broward County. Very few of us in the very beginning, less than 10, you could count hmm. us on our on our hands with, that with the very various- Yes. (laughs) But eventually we began to grow, and Mm -hmm. and more and more people began to take notice and want to coordinate their efforts with us. Various opportunities were abounding for us. Um, Home health was coming together. Um, All of the physicians in various hospitals and their own um, practices, because in the early days, there were only four infectious disease physicians that were even treating patients in their own offices. So if it wasn't for the public uh, providers serving in public agencies and the private uh, organizations coming together, We would not have what we have today, which I think has sustained over these past 37 years mm-hmm. uh, moving forward, we have done a lot to come together f- with this epidemic as a whole. And there's so much more now. There's treatments available um, that there weren't then. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, Back then, uh, there was no outpatient ambulatory type of setting for just regular care to keep one. Like um, to
0: maintain. Yes, to maintain yeah. the
1: efforts and to get the educational and resources that you needed. So uh, one of the very first um, opportunities for that mm-hmm. outside of a private physician's office, because my mind you, people were traveling to Miami or Palm Beach to get their care if they had insurance. If they did not, they were just suffering and, and not doing anything to address mm. their health. So we started the Northwest Health Center, which is when it, which was an old Broward County Health Department site off mm-hmm. of a uh, right in, in the Sistrunk Corridor. Okay. And there was a big boo-ha-ha about even starting that particular clinic. It was strictly devoted. Um, so we saw the first 1,500 patients or people who, who now had an access to um, Comprehensive medical care, as well as all of their social service needs, we had a dental clinic there. Wow! So that people a lot of dentists were not, trying to treat exactly. So I mean, we started with a good intent that just mushroomed over time, and now there are several organizations. I mean, all across Broward County that are indeed in this effort. The thing that that uh, kind of struck me is back then when the federal government first came with some monetary response. Mm-hmm. It was from the HERSA Health Resources and uh, Resources Administration, okay. Health Services and Resources Administration. HERSA. They came out with an opportunity where emergency relief efforts for funding was going to be sent to various counties or cities, mm-hmm. um, what they call eligible metropolitan areas that had two thousand cases or more mm-hmm. of HIV. Mm-hmm. At that time, it was called HTLV three. Mm-hmm. But the presence of the disease in their communities, and they would provide emergency funding relief for care and treatment services. Mm-hmm. And supportive services, um, and you had to send in reports, of which the reports had to go up to the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta to validate that you were eligible for this funding. I mean, when it came out, they said that Broward County was not eligible, but I knew Broward County was in that eligible. One
0: clinic alone, you were we saying had fifteen hundred patients, <laughs>
1: so, so you know I, I knew that we had the caseload to actually qualify and be eligible for that early federal funding, which amounted to a lot of money that was going to be coming down into Broward County and, or could have. And- been so then, coming. you
0: initially got refused that. Yes, that we money. were
1: refused, and I was adamant. I was oh like, "No, gosh. this this cannot be." There's a mistake. I contacted the state Department of Health, and they agreed. No, you all are eligible. In fact, mm-hmm. you have more than the 2,000 required Hello. cases. We had 2,350 cases, Whoa. so I knew we were eligible. And I worked up the first 350 of those cases mm-hmm. as the lead epidemiologist for Broward County. So I know, um, and my department did very good work, and and all of our, our information was documented accordingly. I, I just had a hissy fit about that. So um, in talking with people, don't worry about it. You'll go come in on the next round. And no, I was like, no, no, no. no. We, are round eligible. This round. <laughs> they, we are eligible now. We are going to do this now. Let's you yeah. know fight this and let's get people to understand that we are eligible and let them understand that so that we can be in the first round of funding. It wasn't going too well. So I went to two of our um, con- congresspersons at that time. Mm-hmm. At that time, it was E. Clay Shaw, Congressman mm-hmm. E. Clay Shaw, mm-hmm. and Congressman Alcee Hastings. Okay. I told them what was going on. And, and I knew what the mistake was in developing their formula. You had to have, a, uh, as a part of your reports, you had to have your HIV testing, mm-hmm. antibody testing for exposure to this virus mm-hmm. that had to be documented in your report. Well, that particular test didn't come out until 1985. So any tests and any reports before 1985 were discounted wow. for Broward. And that's right. And that's where their mistake was. So I could prove that all of the cases reported from Broward from 1980 Through 1985 were indeed confirmed because they were confirmed by the medical examiner who is a physician Mm -hmm. um, with all of that internal documentation of all of those cases because that's who I had the partnership with in doing my surveillance reports. People finally got it and understood it, but they did not really want to make a big to who of it it, because that would also impact other uh, cities that might have not realized what was going on and oh, not realized. And, st- and, and, and they was so they said don't worry <laughs> wow. about it you know we'll we'll correct this and so that Monday morning I think they um, the CDC called us back and said uh, you have a, a few days to get your reports but you have to re-report everything so good thing with the, the report that I had with our brow county Health department and the public health nurses and the mm-hmm. uh, surveillance teams and the epidemiology department at that time all got back together to make sure all of our reports were redone and resubmitted it back up to Centers for Disease Control. We had a very short period of time to do that, like about three days.
0: Wow. And that Monday purpose, morning... they did that. Yep. Just make sure you didn't do I remember
1: it. Um, talking to um, Representative uh, E. Clay Shaw at that time, who was our congressperson at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, Jasmine, what are we going to do about this? We can't allow this to happen, but we can't embarrass the Centers for Disease Control yeah. as well. You know, we've got to move forward, but we've got to do so gently. Well, no problem. Blame it on the mailman. <laughs> and so the next um, Monday morning, the papers read a uh, Sun Sentinel paper read. Um, the headline was Broward eligible for funding. Mix up in the mailroom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Poor Rip <Mill> room guy <laughs> or woman. <laughs> wow. And we were, eligible for, we were eligible for that funding. We were eligible
1: for that funding so that millions could begin to flow into wow. Broward County to help us do even better with organizing the services. I'm getting um, opportunities through Broward County now operates and and, um, and coordinates the activities of what's called the Ryan White Care Act funding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those were those initial fundings. Th- oh, that funding began that... to come through in 1990. Wow. So now more than 136 million Plus, by the time I left mm-hmm. um, have, have come through to help with organizations and their uh, work that they're doing to make sure that this epidemic is addressed. In the care and treatment side, in the supportive services side, the home care, hospice care, all of the um, educational opportunities that health departments are doing, uh, additional fundings have come through as a result of the initial days for antiretroviral therapy support, pharmacy support for individuals mm-hmm. and their families. Um, the best treatment is now available and people are actually living with HIV yes. disease they are um, taking their medications and being compliant with what they need to do so that now people are um, have no viral load testing uh, mm-hmm. viral loads that are being found by the tests that are being used now mm-hmm. um, it's it's treated more like a chronic illness now Yeah, um, and people are doing very much better their families the stigma somewhat still there in some communities but it's a lot better than it was people are not literally dying alone um Um, With no support whatsoever, which was happening back in those early days from 83 to 95-ish.
0: Yeah. So in the early 2000s, when I first started radio, there was a young woman that called because the guy I was on the radio show with, Big Lip, and I, we we had a discussion because even from back then, there would be, saying, the top 20 cities in the United States with HIV cases, new cases or whatever, like the top, Mm -hmm. you know, quantity. and. West Palm, Dade, and Broward were always in the top three. Yes. So one day we were having that conversation and a young woman called and she was like in high school i think at that point or middle school and said that she had gotten it through her mom so she got it through birth right and back then so i remained friends with her all these years and this shows me how the education and the treatment of it has changed because back then i i went to her house one time and she was taking like 40 50 pills a day i don't yes. know if i'm exaggerating but it seemed that you're not exaggerating many.
1: you're not exaggerating and then
0: now much she better has, now she has three children mm-hmm. that are not hiv Positive, yep. and I kept asking her like, "How does you and your mate? Because her mate is not HIV positive, mm-hmm. and so she was telling me that there's medication so that the her mate doesn't catch it. Right, and it's just That's like, a... and she only takes a few, <sighs> few pills a day now.
1: Everything it's... has gotten much better now. Treatments are very much tolerable mm-hmm. now. It's easier for people to be compliant with taking their medications. Mm-hmm. We know a lot more information now that we can educate um, patients and their and their families so that they know exactly what they need to do to maintain their health yes. and to get that virus under control so that they are you know, virtually virus free mm-hmm. if they're taking their medications accordingly. Centers uh, the there's a children's diagnostic and treatment center that is also a part of uh, Broward Health. Mm-hmm. It's a separate organization but it's a, an affiliate of Broward Health as well. They do excellent work with um, mothers mm-hmm. um, educating OBGYNs across the county uh, such that women are being tested while they are pregnant um, and, and, and those who are found to be positive are then under treatment such that whether by the time they have that baby, we know exactly what to do to make sure that that baby does not get infected. Mm-hmm. Uh, knock on wood, uh, we have not had any new cases uh, as, mm-hmm. at least for the the past few years. Where mm-hmm. where uh, infants are infected from the uh, during during before during or after the birth process, so that's an uh, that we're preventing that from occurring. Um, and unfortunately, in the case of your friend, mm-hmm. that information was not known readily at that point as yeah. to what we needed to do to safeguard that. That infant. I can tell you that um, people are in in this and committed to this particular epidemic. That is still an epidemic in Broward County. There's still new cases that are still coming uh, coming about in terms of new cases of infection. But you know we've got a lot of work to do. But we've made a, a a great great effort from the early days to where we are now. So we have a lot to be thankful for. A lot of people to be thankful for who were dedicated and wanted to stay in this fight till the end.
0: I just want to. We have to bring up that you're one of. Four. I brought it up at the beginning, but we got to talk about it. You're one of four achievers, um, I mean, recipients, I should say, of the 2019 African-American Achievers Awards in the category of community service. And I think this is well-deserved. This is the 27th annual African-American Achievers Awards. Wow. And But you've been doing your thing since the 80s. And your work has had such impact on so many lives. You've just explained to us, but it says here that you are are greatly responsible for Broward County's first network of home health providers, as you said, outpatient clinics, school prevention programs, and hospice agencies for victims of HIV, AIDS. I mean, how did you get nominated, first of all, for the
1: award? Uh, Well... Someone nominated me. Do you know who nominated you? I do now know who, and I I, I thank that person. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's 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 remarkable. Um, I do what I do because I love doing what I do. Yeah. But to be recognized for it just feels good. It feels very good. Yeah. Um, It was just not my time back then. So twenty-seven years later, I'm very happy to be. (laughs) I know, isn't it great?
0: (laughs) And, And so when you found out that you had won because you didn't even know you were nominated. They call you and you're like, they're like, hey, you're one of the 2019 After Jam family. You're like, I was what? speechless.
1: I was speechless. <laughs> um, and that's something that anybody who knows me knows I can talk a long time. But I was totally speechless. I was honored uh, mm-hmm. to be even selected. I want to thank the selection committee, whoever they may be, yes. um, and, the, and the organizations that supported that nomination because I'm sure they had to do some validation and what have you and talk to people. Yes. But um, I'm just elated and I'm very, very happy. Happy to be selected and and to be joining a, a group of people through the my past twenty seven years I've supported and gone to every single African American achievers. You've been yes you've I been, have I've gone to a few. But <laughs>
0: isn't it amazing? Like it's when amazing. you leave there, you feel like you're like on top of a building. You're Like I can conquer the world. Yes, yes. It's so, so very empowering. deserving.
1: Um, outstanding people in the past yes. twenty seven years that I've always looked up to. Some of them have been my mentors. Wow. And so it's amazing to now be one of those selected. And I'm just very, very happy. Thank you.
0: So I just want to thank you so much for stopping by. We'll be seeing you at the awards. And just... I mean, I know you're retired, but I know the passion is still there and you do still do things on your own time and on your own, agenda, you know, on your own. Yes, way that's a great thing about being it.
1: retired it is. is you get to pick what you want to do and Come how you on. want to do it and who you want to answer to. And, and it's just wonderful. Um, I'm working with lots of organizations that I've always mm-hmm. been a part of um, uh, Delta Sigma Theta mm-hmm. sorority, my Broward County alumni chapter, mm-hmm. the Lynx Incorporated of Fort Lauderdale. We just had uh, human trafficking mm-hmm. uh, with awareness and educational program two weeks ago that went very very well yeah. um, and looking forward to working with people to assure that as we get ready for the Super Bowl that's coming up in Miami yes. that our communities are very well aware of the potentials of human trafficking during that time Hello. Uh, and making sure that without ourselves uh, and our families and especially our younger women and boys Delta Sigma Theta um, working with them uh, we just had a discussion on mental health uh, mischief important versus mental health mm. and, and the kinds of things that are happening in schools, school safety and what have you, the legislation that's just come about to improve uh, efforts here in Broward County, uh, as well as throughout the state, uh, so that we won't have to go through the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas uh, shooting yes, again. again. And so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm working with people on that effort. And I'm getting ready now to, since they have just done some um, work with the Amendment 4 legislation and yes. the restoration of the rights to the vote felons. for mm-hmm. felons who mm-hmm. are returning to our communities or... Yeah. who are in our communities now. Uh, so April 30th,
0: okay,
1: uh, we'll be having an event mm-hmm. at the Fort Lauderdale University. We're planning for that now. Okay. Um, and we're going to bring the latest information down so that people know what they need to do, who mm-hmm. are impacted, yes. um, what they need to settle, mm-hmm. and how they need to settle this mm-hmm. uh, so that they can get that information at that event, which will be held on the 30th, 6.30 uh, p.m. at the Fort Lauderdale University.
0: So much information, so much inspiration, and you're so well-deserved. <laughs> of the community service segment of the 2019 African-American Achievers Awards. We've been speaking to Jasmine D. Shirley. Jasmine, congratulations on your award, and thank you so much for stopping by Community Matters.
1: Thank you much. (laughs) Have a great day.